This podcast is sponsored by TOG24, who've kitted me, Ollie, and the dogs out with all of our walking gear this year. TOG24 is for anyone who likes their walkies, humans and dogs alike. Here's what you need to know. One, their clothes are so cozy that wearing their coats literally feels like walking around in a duvet. Two, they have matching human and dog outfits so you can twin with your dog. In our house, we have matching pink coats. Three, their dog puffers have a reversible metallic lining so you can see them in the dark. It's very handy and cute on nighttime walks. Four, they're a family-run, Yorkshire-based company with an office full of whippets, so you just know they're excellent people. And five, TOG24 currently have their Black November sale on, and it is a big deal. There are Black Friday discounts throughout the month, so check it out. You're going to love it. Hello, and welcome to Brave Little Podcast, the podcast where we talk about those life events and decisions so many of us face that require a healthy dose of courage. I'm your host, Jess. You might know me from social media as Human Jess, and I've learned everything I know about courage from my little dog. She's also called Jess, but more commonly known as the Worried Whippet. Making friends as an adult is notoriously hard. Data from the ONS shows that nearly 4 million people in the UK are chronically lonely. That's not how I would describe myself, but I definitely feel lonely more often than I used to a few years ago. I grew up watching Friends and then New Girl, and I had a vision of spending my 20s and 30s surrounded by close, intimate, fun friendships. That's not how it's worked out, though. I left university and moved to London, and the first year of that experience was really lonely and much tougher than I ever expected. Now, nearly a decade later, my friends are dotted around all over the place. We've mostly moved out of London to various parts of the UK and the world, and seeing them has become more difficult. So how can we establish the kind of friendships we want? The ones that make us feel seen, supported, and that make our life more fun. Today I got to chat with someone I followed and admired for a long time, Sophie Butler. She's an award-winning influencer who makes great content about fashion, well-being, and disability awareness. She's also someone with a fantastic group of friends and the founder of The Other Girls Club, running events for people who want to unapologetically enjoy pop culture and make new friends. Before we start, though, I want to tell you about something brave my little dog Jess has done this week. In the UK, we have this period from Halloween through bonfire night to Diwali where, if you live in a city, there are fireworks every night. They're super available in supermarkets and people near me seem to buy them on a whim and let them off randomly in their gardens, the park or even on the street. Jess lived outside in a crate for the first three or four years of her life, which might explain why she finds them so traumatic. But like a lot of dogs, fireworks send her into a total panic, trembling, panting, hiding in improbably small gaps under pieces of furniture. We do our best for her with medication and supplements, and we make her hiding places as cosy as possible. But by the end of this period, we are all upset and exhausted. She's made it through, though. We've had our first few firework-free nights in a month, and I always watch her trying to keep herself safe through this time, and I think, well done, you beautiful hound. Seriously, though, if you're going to buy fireworks, buy the quiet ones and let your neighbours know before you set them off. Anyway, back to the naughty problem of adult friendship. This conversation with Sophie gave me a push to get out and do more things on my own and try and make more friends where I live. I hope you enjoy it and find it useful. My guest today is Sophie Butler. Hi, Soph. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, We're going to talk about friendships, making friends as an adult, why it's so difficult and what we can do about it, how we can do it better. But first of all, I'm going to start by asking you about something brave that you've done recently. (laughs) Uh, Something brave I've done recently. The first thing that popped up into my head was I flew to uh, New York recently um, and it, flying for me, like as a wheelchair or disabled person, is like not like a pleasant experience normally. Um, but this was like a really sort of like 
once in the blue moon like experience for me like everything went really well um and like there was even like a disabled toilet like on the plane and stuff um and it was just like I don't know, like an experience that made me feel like I'd really kind of like accomplished something. I was watching, first of all, I was watching your New York trip. It looked amazing. And second, I watched, didn't you get up at five o'clock in the morning to edit a video and let everyone know that you'd used a disabled toilet on a plane? I mean, jet lag won't be up at five anyway, so. (laughs) (laughs) You've got to let the people know when you have a good airplane toilet experience. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Okay, so you strike me as somebody who is quite confident and maybe has an easy time making friends. I know appearances aren't everything. Were you somebody, as a child, were you somebody who found it easy to make friends? Maybe as like a a very young child. Like, I mean, like really, really little. Um, I think because, I don't know, like I just kind of like, I liked a lot of things. I was quite like a happy, like joyful child. And um, I was always... (laughs) It sounds like really sort of like pick me, but when I was younger, I was like really drawn to like the groups of boys at school. Like I'm talking like primary, like um, what is it called before you go to primary? Like the um, nursery? No, like not nursery, but like yeah, kind of like I think it's the thing that's like kindergarten. Yeah, I think that's the American term, but it's the thing that's kind of like voluntary. But like your parents normally put you in to help with your development. Um, I really I remember having like this big group of like normally I think it was like like boy mates, and like I really just like loved hanging out with them. And then as I got like older and I became more aware of like who I was as like a person and I became more aware that like oh I'm a human a human being and as I became more aware of like being treated differently being a girl and lots of other things I became more aware of like my body and became more conscious like it became harder and harder um particularly when I got to secondary school and I remember there was like a time in secondary school where I would literally like eat my lunch in the toilets because I didn't have anyone to like hang around with when you're in secondary school I feel like I want to ask everybody this everybody I meet I feel like I need to ask them this (laughs) question like what click were you in what group were you in towards like the end of secondary school I had like a like a small group of friends and like that was really nice but we were more sort of like the in-betweeners um like I, I I think I very much just wanted to kind of fade into the background I was like well I was like I really enjoy learning and I really enjoy performing arts and all this stuff and it's like I just want to go to school and like get on with that because I saw school and like education as my way of like getting out of my hometown and going to uni and then like life would sort of start from there that's so wholesome I love it and I'm sure that is the best way to be like I think I spent my school years like flitting between different groups of people trying desperately to fit in one week I was like wearing all black and straightening my fringe and the next week I was like super preppy I don't know um way more wholesome just to find your people you're like ragtag bunch of friends I'm like I have enough friends that I don't have to eat lunch alone now but like still I just want to get to uni (laughs) that is the perfect number of friends (laughs) and this podcast is about making friends as an adult which I think is a whole different experience from making friends as a kid or at least in my experience um why do you think it's so difficult I think it's really difficult because I think there's like when when you're younger like you have things like school which is like structured time for you to like work on your development and to work on your social skills and to like actually get put in front of people um and I think the closest thing you have to that as an adult 
is like work. Um, but I think the way that we work has changed so much within the last, I mean, even just like five years, but like 10 years in particular, like I think back at my dad's generation and like the friends he made through work and like how different it was now, because I mean, it's different for me anyway, because I'm self-employed. Um, so if I'm making friends at work, it's like other influencers, but I know like even some of my friends who work within the company and they, they kind of like don't make friends at work the same way that I know that my dad used to um and then it becomes harder because you're like oh how do I get in front of people to um, display my skill set as a friend because I guess you <laughs> spend so much time at work so it just it makes sense that that would be where you'd make friends but then with like work from home remote working and like p- more people being self-employed than ever it's really hard yeah I think remote working is definitely a big thing I'm also self-employed also work from home and also have this thing where yeah, I haven't met anybody IRL through work in such a long time or occasionally at events and stuff. But, you know, it used to be 10 years ago when I started working that you were in the office with the same people every day and you do build relationships like inevitably. But it's so much harder when everything is online. But do you think there's benefits to the amount of time that we spend online in terms of making friends as well? I'm thinking about like, for example, online communities on social media or things like Bumble BFFs. Yeah, I think it really can be beneficial because I think um, you get to maybe like virtually meet people that you might not have met before. Um, And obviously that can then like bleed into real life as well when there's like events and stuff like that. But I think especially if you're living outside of London um, and you're maybe not meeting as many people like frequently in real life, it gives you really gives you an opportunity to meet people that you probably just wouldn't have met before or wouldn't have come across. Yeah, I think finding people to be friends with is definitely the first thing. Like I was talking to my partner about this earlier and he was saying that when you're in a classroom with 30 people five days a week for years of your life, it's inevitable that you're going to make friends with them. But there just aren't that many touch points, I guess, in our lives where we encounter people in that way. Yeah, and I think it's also a bit awkward to just be like, hey, you're a human, I'm a human. Would, would you like the same thing as I do? Let's let's do something. Yes. <laughs> In like a platonic way as well, because a lot of people think like, are you asking me out? It's like, well, yeah, but like not romantically. Yeah. And there's quite a big hurdle as well, I find, to get past between like the first time you meet somebody and have a conversation with them and it seems like you might get on. And then the kind of intimacy that like you have with your friends that's like a, that creates a meaningful friendship. Um, yeah, no, I, I think I think there is. I, I, well, I can definitely see it within my friendships as well. I know that like I, I mean, I am I'm really lucky to have like a really good friendship group, but I'm also like even more lucky that like um, a lot of my friendship group are people that I've known for like nearly ten years or like over ten years. So um, I can really be quite like intimate and open and open with those people. But there, there is like a running joke within like the gay community of like you meet a gay person like once and you'll be on their close friends. And like I think it's just because it is that like in community thing of like you know like oh we ha- we have a commonality you know there's a trusting point there. But it's so funny the amount of people that I've just like met at a party or met on the night out and that like. I'm like, okay, Avery, you'll be on my close friends now. We're good friends now, that's it. (laughs) I think that's true. I think there is something about like queer and LGBTQ communities where um, like the trust is implicit and immediate in a way that it isn't outside of that. And that's to do with like the history of like what we've been through as communities and um, yeah, like the way that we're treated externally. And I think that has forged like a closeness and a trust and an intimacy that is 
much easier and quicker to get to. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to ask you about your move to London because you moved to London a couple of years ago, didn't you? Yeah, it's coming up to two years. Okay, so I feel like that's moving from like the town to the big city is kind of an archetypal experience that lots of people listening will have. And it's definitely one that I had um, when I moved to London. And I found it simultaneously really exciting and also probably the loneliest time of my life, I think. Um, it's notoriously difficult to make friends in London. How did you find that experience? Um, I think maybe I'm really lucky because mine was the complete opposite, but I think it's probably just because I was super lonely before I moved. Um, so before I lived in, um, kind of like in Essex, but it was, it was like a bit more like rural because Essex is like so huge. So it was more like a rural side of Essex. Um, not like not really anything going on. I had like, like one friend in that town and like just there's not really much like I had my car so I'd often like go out and do things on my own and whatever and I live with my parents um who I absolutely love and really get on with but they work full-time and like my dad would like my dad leaves for work at like 5 a.m and will often get back at like 7 p.m so I wasn't actually really seeing them a lot and with me being self-employed I was like working from home every day so I was spending like so much time on my own and then only really seeing like my close friends who now I would see every day or every other day I was only seeing them maybe once every two months so before I moved I was super super lonely and I just got used to just doing things on my own like I would always take myself out for coffee go for dinner lunch go I'd go to cinema and just do things on my own just because if I didn't do things on my own I'd never do things um so when I moved to London and I, there were a load of people worried about like, oh, because when I first moved, I was living on my own before dad moved in. And I had a lot of people saying like, are you not, you know, worried about being lonely, living on your own? And I was like, well, no, because like I've, I've already been so lonely and no one noticed. Um, and like it just, yeah, it was for me, it was just such a relief um, coming here that even though that, yeah, like um, when I first moved in, I was living on my own. I was around so many people. I was in a city where so much was going on that like I actually never really felt lonely. That's really nice and really interesting that, um, yeah, it was such a contrast from what you were moving from. And I guess when I moved, I moved from university where, again, like you're surrounded by people all the time to London. And I think I was expecting because it's such a big place, it to be really easy to meet people and make friends. Did you have friends that you were coming to when you moved to London? Yeah, so I already knew, um, I think with the influencer space, I think like, I'd say everyone like so many people end up like moving to London at some point anyway so I already had quite a few friends uh, from sort of like the influencer space who were in London um but also as well it was just at that point where all like my uni friends it got to the point where we were all starting to just spend all our time in London if we were living there or not we were all meeting up in London so I mean Dan was already in London before I moved here and then I mean like by now all of my uni friends bar maybe a couple live in London so every everything for me was in London so it just made sense that I would move here yeah that totally makes sense and the friendships that you have now that you're like your friends you're saying some of them you've made through work, but the others, where did they come from in your life? Mainly uni, to be honest. Um, I graduated in 2017, so I was there from 2014 to 2017. And I would say the friends that like, I have now who I'm like, really, really close to are from uni. And then I have a couple who are from like my retail days while I was like at uni and just before uni as well, not from when I was like 16. So like, I've known them for like over 10 years. 
And I think it is just because like, when we were at uni, we were just, sort of, you're kind of like thrown together, see like in halls kind of vibes and we spent so much time together. Um, but I've also been like really lucky to maintain those friendships. Not all of them. There are some people at uni who I was like super close with, who I, I don't know anything about their lives anymore. <laughs> we don't see each other. We don't speak. So, and like, that's fine. That's how life works. But, um, I've been really lucky to be able to maintain those friendships. And I think part of that is because of my accident with becoming disabled at 21. I think even though I did lose some friends through that, I also, the friends who I'm really close to now, saw it as like, not an opportunity, but they saw it as a reason to keep up more contact um, and just check in more. And I think that's one of the reasons why like my friendship group is really tight. That's really nice in that like, you, you you feel like they made a commitment to you at that time when yeah I felt like they just thought there's you know we need to please keep in touch with Sophie more and we need to like you just check in that little bit more than you normally would which which is really nice it's really nice because that is like good friendship those are good friends yeah yeah that's kind of what you should be doing as a friend <laughs> as horrible as it is you kind of separated the wheat from the chaff yeah that's a nice basis for a friendship and I think what you said about losing some friends as well is interesting because. I think we need to normalize the fact that friendships have expiry dates, that some friendships end and they're supposed to end and not every friend is a friend for life. Yeah, I think it's definitely normal. I mean, there's some people now who there's like absolutely no bad blood with. It's just that we just stop speaking. And like, you know, as you say, like you both go in different directions or whatever. And, you know, and that's just, I think, become part of becoming an adult. Um, I mean, there are some friendships that like wasn't my choice to lose that friendship because I think when my accident happened, I think a lot of people just kind of distance themselves for various reasons I, I mean I still don't really understand it but you know there were some that it wasn't really my choice and that I wouldn't have wanted to lose those friendships but yeah I think losing friendships and kind of distancing yourself from not distancing yourself but kind of growing in an opposite way um I think is an absolutely like normal part of adult life especially if you're coming out of school you're coming out of uni like you you're still got so much growing to do so if you can't expect everyone to still be those people that you were when you were like 16 to 18 yeah we're all growing all the time so it's kind of inevitable that we'll grow in different directions I guess um yeah yeah I think we get this romanticized view of friendships especially female friendships when we're small and you know you say to everybody like we're best friends and we're gonna be best friends forever and that's just not not how it works at all yeah <laughs> yeah well like if Dan turned around to me today and was like hmm, we're not gonna be best friends forever I'd be like no <laughs> You've got me now. I'm sorry, that's it. <laughs> that's the one I'm not going to give up. <laughs> Hi guys, it's me, Jess, just dropping in to tell you about my book, Worried Whippet, A Book of Bravery. It's a beautiful hardback gift book that inspires you to take a cue from one anxious little dog, muster up your courage and step out into the world with hope. The drawings are gorgeous and it makes a great gift for adults, children, dog lovers, anyone struggling with anxiety. Plus, it's only $10.99, which is frankly a steal. One lovely person just bought 25 and got all their Christmas gifts done at once. You can get it from Amazon, Waterstones, or my favourite, your local independent bookshop. You're listening to Brave Little Podcast with me, Jess Bolton. So I wanted to ask you about your friendship with Dan because you share a lot of it on your social media and it looks like such a lovely friendship. You live together, obviously, and you've described Dan as a platonic soulmate, which I love. 
Can you tell me a bit about that and what it means to you? Yeah. So me and Dan, uh, we're not a couple. I think for me, what really strikes me, I'd be really embarrassed because he's in the living room. So I'd be really embarrassed if you can hear me saying all of this because <laughs> I wouldn't say this to his face. Um, I think what for me is so different about my friendship with Dan is we met when I was 18, like when I first got to uni. Um, and I was like completely different then. Like I was very shy. I didn't really have many friends at all really um and like to the point where I was so like shy I wouldn't have gone on a night out or you know like gone and like hung out and done that sort of stuff so completely different to the person I am now but I kind of put you know a lot of that is the the growth from me being who I was 18 to who I am now is that yeah partly down to me and my own growth and putting myself out there and doing certain things but I genuinely think a lot of that wouldn't happened if I hadn't met Dan at the exact time that I did so we met through when we were at uni we had to do like a group project in a lecture theatre, which was my absolute like worst nightmare. We're sitting in this lecture theatre, like 9am and our lecturer is like, okay, get into groups. I was like, I could evaporate on the spot right now. I was like, I do, I, I, I do not want to be here. Um, and I like obviously didn't have a group to be in because I didn't have any friends. And I just remember Dan like tapping me on the shoulder and being like, oh, do you want to like come in our group? Um, cause he'd see me around like our accommodation and stuff. I lived on the floor below. So I think he saw me panicking. I was like, Oh, come on. Let's, <laughs> let's relieve her of her stress. And then I think since then we just, we just were just hanging out in halls like every day. And we just kind of became like really inseparable and he just kind of really helped me to kind of like grow into myself. It's kind of like, um, you know, meet cute in rom-coms where like the two romantic leads meet each other in like a really cute way that shows that they're going to be friends like it's a meet cute it's a friendship meet cute yeah (laughs) I love it (laughs) and yeah so how did your friendship develop to where it is now I think partly it was helped by the fact that we were at uni and he literally lived on the floor above me so we were spending we were in very close proximity um like I mean like sometimes I'd he'd just be like I'm coming over or I'd be like I'm coming up now like and we you know we just like watch tv together and he kind of helped me brave the wonderful world of nightlife and going out (laughs) Uh, which I was like terrified to do at like 18 um but yeah we just I think we just we just spent like a lot of time together and we just clicked Um, like instantly and I think I just felt very um just felt like very seen and understood because I think like at that point I think growing up in I grew up in Basildon and I I was a little bit of like a little emo kid and I was like that kid who's you know you're like no one understands me um and I was like that kid but also like I didn't the reason why no one understood me is because I didn't know like who who I was (laughs) because I was like so confused at like 18 and I feel like Dan just saw like a lot of potential in me as like a person um and just like made me feel I don't know just like kind of really welcome it's lovely has it been through lots of iterations your friendship yeah I guess it has I mean I kind of didn't you don't really notice it at the time because you just kind of go through what you're going through and you just kind of move with it but yeah there's there's been absolutely like times where uh, the friendship is like kind of different though so there was like a time when he lived in Spain for like a year because he was over there for work so but we used to like FaceTime every week and watch American Horror Story together and even when I was like in rehab we would FaceTime and watch American Horror Story for FaceTime <laughs> together uh, American Horror Story being a, a focal point of our friendship clearly but yeah there, because even times when we you know because we've only lived together for about a year and a half um, and we've known each other for nearly 10 years so that's like a really small part of our friendship um but we've, 
you know, even though we've been in different parts of the country or different countries, we've been able to kind of like stay in contact and just kind of like make the time where we can. That's kind of what friendship's about, isn't it? Yeah, it's like I don't need to see you every day or even speak to you every day. Although now that I've lived with Dan, I probably do need to speak to him every day. <laughs> but it's like I don't, I don't need to see you every day, but I just need to know that like if if I need you, like you would be there. And when you describe it as like platonic soulmates... What does that mean? Like, how does what, how's that different from friendship for you? Um, I think for me, like, it's a bit different because I know that I have a ton of problems with intimacy. Um, I'm not great in, like, a romantic sense. Like, if you, like, I would have, like, no problem going doing a speech in front of, like, thousands of people. Like, I've done all of that. Like, nothing like that bothers me or, like, makes me nervous or whatever. But if you put me on a one-to-one date with someone, I'm, like, a shaky mess. Like, I cannot do it. So, <laughs> no, I'm not great with intimacy. Um, but I'm, I'm lucky to have friendships where you know I have like pockets of intimacy and I have like moments where um I mean like I it's it's not as like consistent throughout all of my friendships so I know like with Dan like I I can be really kind of like I think bare maybe right that might be the right word because we've built up that trust um where I have other friendships like I like I know my friend Katie she would not like dare try and like hug me or um, <laughs> Or show like kind of intimacy that she does in her other friendships. But so I think with Dan, it is just different because we just, there is just like that connection that like it's just different to a lot of my other friendships. Yeah, that kind of trust. I think um, this is another thing that I love and you see more of it now. And like, you know, you read articles about, for example, 10 women in their 60s who've decided to buy a house together and treat it like their retirement, basically live together. Um and like friendships where people raise kids together as friends or, you know, do these things that you typically see people in romantic relationships doing, but do it with their friends. And I love that as a concept because what, like, why shouldn't you? Your friendship is as deep and as intimate and as well-tested, maybe even more well-tested than lots of our romantic relationships are. So I like the idea that there are other ways to share your life, your living situation, um, yeah, just like those important things and moments with somebody that isn't your romantic partner. Yeah, I think that would quite literally be my dream, although Dan's partner might have something to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, Sophie, um, or I don't know, I, I, I think me and him probably could get on very well if we lived together, but I think if I was like now just part of their family, I don't think he <laughs> would appreciate that. No, I'm joking. Um, yeah, no, that would literally be like my dream. I think especially for me as well, because I think one of the things I've become more conscious of in maybe the last sort of few years is how individualistic sort of our society is I didn't I didn't realize it until I realized that's not what I wanted like I I'm I'm not fussed about I mean there might be there might become a time when I have you know like a partner and we live together and we have a family or whatever but I don't crave it I'm not like you know I, I that's what I really want for my life and that's where I see myself going I think for me something that I'm really drawn to is just community and being in a more um, sort of community-based sort of like family. Um, and I think that is really what is missing from the, I know from the UK in particular. And I think it's why we struggle so much with loneliness in our um, in our country. Because I think to just live with your partner and see your partner and only go out with your partner, I think is very, very isolating. Um especially you know if you're just going from work home partner like and I think it is just very very isolating and I think we really need to tap more into um, like cultures and countries which are more community-based um and I think we could probably benefit a lot from that 
I could not agree more. And I think this is a really nice segue as well into talking about um, the other girls club, which is your sort of community, your friendship community. Can you tell me a bit more about it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, basically, I love pop culture. Um, <laughs> something I never would have said at eighteen because I was, I was like a proper like, oh no, I'm not like into mainstream. Like, who's Taylor Swift anyway? Ill, um, kind of like girl. <laughs> um, and I was like, no, I only listen to my dad's records. Um, <laughs> Which is like so embarrassing because I was like too totally who I'm not now. But I think once I'd unlearned a lot of like internalized misogyny and once I'd become more comfortable with just liking the things that I want to like, um, I realized that like I was, I think I was first of all just a lot better of a person. I was just a lot more comfortable. I was a lot more accepting of people. I was a lot more fun to be around and I was just enjoying life a lot more. Um, and I think even though that's how that development has happened like slowly over the years since I was 18, like nearly 10 years now. Um, a lot of it has happened in the last few years where I just have been showing more of myself on social media and have just been like, these are the things that I like and I'm going to like them unapologetically. And I think I, I just wanted to create like a community or like a space where like people could just come together and just be excited about things and like share their joy. Cause I think that's so powerful. Um, you know, whether that is, you know, the new Taylor Swift album or Britney's memoir or wh- whatever it is, things that are going on in pop culture, like you, as like Taylor Swift says, like, I think someone like, who makes you feel bad, bad about being joyful about something is like, it's, that's not great. That's like the worst thing you could do um and i wanted to create a space where people could come together and just be happy and excited about things and talk about them with each other uh, and it not be seen as like silly or like fangirl because i think there is a lot of misogyny in that conversation and i think something that i always just find so hilarious is the difference between the way fangirls are looked at versus the way that football fans are looked at because i see the way some of like football fans behave and i'm like you're being a fangirl like (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that baby just just say you're a fangirl it's fine um, just wear your little hat <laughs> yeah. and your little whatever it is your little yeah, scarf yeah, and like matching wave, socks wave the scarf like come on you're a fangirl <laughs> it's fine like what is the what is the difference between that and then taking a sign to a harry styles concert do you know what i mean like it's just the demographic and the way it's viewed through the societal lens but the reason i called it the other girls club is because i think when we were younger we i know i definitely did we kind of all went through that phase where you were like oh, i'm not like other girls i'm i'm different and and i kind of just wanted to call it that because i was like you know what this is the other girls club where you can be exactly like the other girls um you can like whatever you like it doesn't matter if everyone else also happens to like it as well um we can all like it together i think there's so much power in that definitely so what do you run events what kind of things do you do yeah so we do online and in real life events as well because i learned very quickly that a lot of like our community is like international as well um so we do have like a a main community in the uk but there was also a lot of international people who were like i can't just hop over from like (laughs) oz or you know like america or like brussels wherever it is and i was like right okay i was like but we live in the wonderful world of zoom so now we do um online events every month um obviously planning in real life events every month in london is quite challenging so we don't do the in real life events every month but online events we do every single month it's something different every month so like this month we will just like the the tickets are free for online events so what we'll do is we'll just like announce that we're doing it on our um 
uh, mailing list and then you just have to reserve your free ticket and we had we had everyone come together and we spoke about the new taylor swift album we gave like our theories our thoughts um and then i think like next month we're doing britney's memoir that'll be this month actually now we're in november which is terrifying um yeah we'll talk about britney's memoir and then the in real life events are the more kind of like bigger things that bring people together in person so we've done like dance classes confidence classes and then we've done um like painting as well um just things that you it, it's nice to do face to face and do you find that people are making friends at your events yeah i remember that the last in real life event that we did it was the painting one and i remember i was like i was like packing up and tidying up getting ready to leave and like there was a group of people who just met at the event and they were going out for drinks after and i, I kind of felt a little bit like i was like guys where are you going? <laughs> what about me? <laughs> what about me? But no, that's exactly what I wanted because obviously like coming together for the events and stuff that are, that are organised by me is like great. But like for me, it's just even better when I can like put those people together and they can then go off and organise their own thing because then they don't have to wait for me to see each other again they can just like message each other and just meet up on their own accord which is just exactly what we want i wish i lived in london right now because i would be there a hundred percent this sounds really good fun we'll let you know when the next one is (laughs) (laughs) there are going to be loads of people listening who are looking for like practical tips and advice to try and make more friendships try and make more friends and bring more friendships into their life where would you recommend they start so i'd be really biased if i just said join the other girls club <laughs> um but, but you know even if it, even if it's not my one you know there are i've, I've seen so many groups like like what what is like the other girls club pop up um like across facebook across like instagram and i think it's really great because i think everyone wants something different from you know their social life and their friendship groups i think it's so great that there's so many groups um like that um so i would suggest maybe having having a look online i know that there's so many different facebook groups of like, like girls who live in london and that sort of stuff where um you can like meet up and like make friends through there um and you also as well like i think i would say just don't be afraid to to just talk to people like i think it's not as weird as you think it is um and i think everybody overthinks i mean everything but this in particular so you know if you're if you're at work or if maybe you go to a weekly writing class or you go to a pottery class or whatever it is that you do you know i know like some of my friends say like netballs like sports teams and stuff like that it's not as weird as you think it is to just try and make friends with people i think we overthink it too much um and also as well have a look through eventbrite I know Eventbrite do a lot of, cause we, that's where we put up our other girls club events. But I also noticed that there's like so many cool events on there. Um, I know that obviously there's so many in London, but there's also so many other, other cities as well. Um, and some of them are free. Some of them are like, you know, you pay a fee or whatever, but you can do really cool things like pottery painting and all of these cool sorts of things that you might not normally come across. Um, they're not events which are set up to make friends at but you're already in a setting where you have a commonality with someone and you can spark a conversation, you know, and maybe you'll swap Instagram. So I think, you know, just going to stuff like that and just meeting people who are there, it's a, it's a good gateway to building um, a friendship. Yeah, I think that's really true. I think what you said about Facebook, like local Facebook groups is good. Yeah. yeah. Like my partner and I moved, we moved to a new town recently and I almost treated it like, dating um so like I was meeting there was one point where I was meeting somebody new from the local Facebook group like every day and I was getting day drunk on cocktails at lunchtime because we'd like go out for a drink and then I wish I lived in your town (laughs) (laughs) I mean it was really good fun but also 
you know, my approach was like, if I want to make friends here, I need to meet enough people to know that I'm going to meet the people who are going to be my friends. Exactly true. And I think to add on that as well, I would say like something else I think is so important is to don't wait for friends to do the things that you want to do. Um, I know for obviously there's like some situations where like, I know for me like as a disabled woman, there's certain things that I, I wouldn't want to or couldn't do on my own. And I do have to kind of like, you know, go with someone or whatever. But there are for the majority of people, don't wait for people to, to come with you to do the things that you want to do. Whether that is going to get a coffee, going to try a new restaurant or going to see a film at the cinema. Like if you are waiting for people to do the things that you want to do, you won't do half of the things that you want to try. Um, and I think once you get into that mindset of, oh, well, you know, if I don't have anyone, I'll just go. I'll, I'll book that cinema ticket or I'll go to that concert. I'll go to that restaurant. I think it becomes actually easier to meet friends because you're not, overthinking it you're not putting everything on this relationship this friendship working out um and i think it just yeah it makes you i think a more well-rounded person i think that's really good advice it also for me as somebody who does some of those things like i'll go to the cinema by myself but like going to an event by myself is still really scary even like an exercise class where do you find the courage to do that and what advice would you give to people who feel like that's quite a big hurdle i think I think, I don't know, I think because I've always, I've always just kind of had to um, do things on my own. I know for me, especially as well, like there was a time period when I, when I became disabled where I couldn't do things on my own because one, because I was in rehab for four months and I had someone come with me everywhere. Even if I was just going to the shop in the hospital, if I was going to play table tennis, I did not get a second to breathe. So I could not wait to just be on my own for a bloody minute. Um and then also when they came out of rehab as well, because there was a time where I just I couldn't get around as independently as I could now. So for me I really saw it as quite a blessing to be able to just go and do things on my own and just enjoy my own company. Um but I know for some people that's really not as easy. So I think you can kind of wean yourself into it. You can maybe start by just going to a coffee shop on your own or, you know, going for lunch and then building yourself up to those bigger things. Like I know like going to a concert on your own is probably quite an intimidating thing to do for most people. So, but you can build your way up there and, you know, there's so many like little bits of like battle armor you can take with you now. You can take a notebook so it looks like that you're working if you don't want to look like you're on your own. So I know it's something some people are worried about. You could take a podcast or, you know, you can take all of these little things with you which make you feel less alone. But I think the more that you do it, the I think because it's kind of like, it's got it's called on social media now like dating yourself, which is funny because I always get questions about like, what's your favorite self-date? date or like you know like talk more about dating yourself and I don't even see it as that anymore I just see it as doing things that I want to do but I think if you want to romanticize it if you want to try to get into it you can really see it as dating yourself Um, and it is a privilege you know to be able to date you so why would you not want to do that with yourself that's such a nice way of looking at it what's a good starting point like if you were starting now to do things by yourself for the first time what's the first thing you would do something small um i'll probably just go for a coffee i think that's probably you know like small because also as well like that could that can be as long as short as you want it to be as many coffee shops there are that have tried to get me to stop sitting in there all day and using their wi-fi all day <laughs> <laughs> you can sit in there all day and use their wi-fi <laughs> um yeah i think that can be as long as short as you want it to be you can go for five minutes if it feels too much you can go back home you know it's not like a restaurant where you then have to see out the meal 
and you know starters and desserts and all that sort of stuff it can be as long or as short as you want it to yeah be. that's so true isn't it that at the restaurant you're kind of committed for a while but the coffee shop is like a very good non-committal starting point yeah. I like that <laughs> and I sometimes take my laptop to our local coffee shop and do a bit of work or I'll take a book Waterstones Cafe with a book I think that's a really good one I love a Waterstones Cafe so do I yeah I I, I often go to a Waterstones Cafe to work and I do I will make sure I do it at least like twice a month and then my I reward myself was with I get in there and I go right okay if you get everything done you can buy a book (laughs) I have to like parent myself (laughs) I think that's really good though like yeah gamify it (laughs) <laughs> put a little reward at the end that's really nice and then you can graduate to the dinners and the cinema yeah and then maybe like concerts and holidays so like think big <laughs> what's the biggest thing that you've done by yourself um ooh, i have maybe travel i don't i haven't traveled internationally independently but i've done like a lot of like work trips and stuff which i guess is kind of not completely independently but it's i've had to stay in hotels on my own for like a few days and so and then like in between like the work stuff I'll just you know take myself off set and they'll go for like dinner and stuff like that so maybe like stuff like that it sounds really nice I think I used to do stuff like this when I was younger like I did used to travel by myself but COVID really knocked it out of me not my confidence and Mm. sort of yeah but I think working it like a muscle (laughs) is a good thing to do yeah I think you can and you can use that for anything in life whether it's like you know um like mindset or motivation or like creativity whatever it is think of it like a muscle the more you do it the stronger it's going to get the easier it's going to get and like that repetition really does mean everything the more you do it it's just going to become like second nature i think that's really true and i think that's a nice place to leave it so thank you so much for coming on sophie it's been really nice to chat to you yeah thank you for having me i hope you enjoyed this conversation it's something i'm thinking about a lot at the moment and i know that lots of other people are in the same boat If you want to see more from Sophie, you can find her on Instagram where her handle is sophjbutler and there's a link to the other girls club in her bio. If you do try anything that Sophie suggested, do come and find me on Instagram and let me know how it went. Let's do this together. My handle is human.jess. I wanted to say a big thank you to everyone who left a rating and a review last week. Your feedback was so nice. I was going all gooey reading them. I've said it before and I'll say it again. You truly are the nicest bunch of people on the internet. Every single one of them genuinely makes a difference to the conversations I'm having about whether there's a second series of this podcast. They're also just the little confidence boost I need when I'm doing scary things like this, so please accept this very warm, very heartfelt thank you. I'll be back next Thursday with another episode of Brave Little Podcast.